Hello, and welcome to the Kiskea Chapel Sermon Podcast. Kiskea Chapel is an international church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where we equip English-speaking believers to expand God's kingdom in our community and beyond. For more information about Kiskea Chapel, you can visit us on our website at kiskeachapel.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome back to the Kiskea Chapel Sermon Podcast. We've been away again for a little while, but today is August 2nd, and today is the first day in 19 weeks that we were finally able to meet again together and have a service at the chapel campus. And so it's an exciting morning this morning. Also exciting because we welcomed back Pastor Mac and his wife Laurel, who were in the United States during the coronavirus pandemic and waiting for the airports to open so that they could get back here. And they are here now. And so uh, we hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mac in person back at the chapel campus. John chapter 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses... It has commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Then they kept on questioning him. He straightened up and said to them, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. How many of you have ever been caught, probably most commonly as a kid, right in the middle of doing the thing wrong? Anybody ever been caught that way? Like you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar and you weren't supposed to take a cookie? (laughs) In America, we have a saying we talk about. You were caught red-handed. Have you heard this saying, red-handed? It means, actually, we we don't know all the origins, but it means that somebody was caught in the act of murder and there's still blood red on their hands. So we call that getting caught red-handed. You can't deny it. The blood's on your hands. You were caught red-handed. Now, when we trace this phrase, getting caught red-handed, it it, it appears that it got popular in Northern Ireland, uh, in the United Kingdom there. And in Northern Ireland, there was a province called Ulster. 
And according to the legend, uh, this sounds not even marginally close to true, but it's still their story. They said that they were at one point as a kingdom without a king. There was no heir to the king. So they said, we're going to take all of our leaders, they called them barons, and we're going to have a boat race. And whoever can race and touch the shore of Ulster in Ireland first will be the new king. And so they start the race, and off they go, and everyone's rowing as hard as they can to become king by touching the shore first. Well, one of those men, according to the story, saw that he was going to lose. So he took out a machete, hacked off his hand, and threw it, and his hand was the first to touch the shore. Isn't that an amazing story? And that's how he became the king of Ulster, red-handed. So today, I I wish we could see the picture. Some of you maybe follow Ulster Football Club in in international football. That's their symbol, the red hand of Ulster. It's just five fingers held up like this and bloody red. It's on their national flag, the red hand of Ulster. And who knows, but at least that's a fun story for how we originally got the term caught red-handed. I don't know if you've ever seen those videos on YouTube about the dumbest criminals in the world. Have you ever watched these? They're, they're great. I mean, you can just watch them forever. There's thousands and thousands of them. It's about criminals getting caught red-handed. And my favorite one, I wish we could show the video, is of these two guys who have this plan to rob a bank in London. And They go down an alley and they put on their bandana masks. Now, today they wouldn't have to do that, right? And they put their hoods up and they disguise themselves before they do the robbery. But there's a problem. Uh, In England, they call it CCTV. It's security cameras. So they've got a camera of these two guys. I mean, a full-on facial shot of both of them putting their... (laughs) costume their mask on right before they go in to do the robbery. And the next day, the police, of course, arrest them because they were caught red-handed, right? Well, that's the story we just read here in John chapter 8. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, or what we might call the God squad, show up and they shove this woman in front of Jesus and say, we caught her red-handed in the very act of adultery. Now, doesn't that make you ask a question? Really? You caught the woman in the act of adultery? Probably means that they set a trap for her. They knew what was going to happen, and as soon as she engaged in the act, they burst in, grabbed her, and throw her in front of Jesus and say, now the law of Moses says that a woman caught in adultery, in, red-handed in the act of adultery, is to be stoned to death. What do you say, Jesus? <laughs> what do you say, Jesus? Now, you need to know, in fact, it may not, if your Bible's on your phone, it may not be there, but most written translations of the Bible will bracket the passage I just read, John chapter 8, the first 11 verses. It is the single most controversial passage in the entire Bible. And the reason why is because many of the earliest manuscripts don't have it in there. 
John chapter 8, this story of the woman caught in adultery is not in there. However, the later manuscripts all have it in there. And the early church fathers tell that story over and over again. They preached from it starting around the year 212 BC. Some of the oldest copies we have, they talk about John chapter 8. And so people begin to quite, well, so was it not in there and somebody later on stuck it in? Or, or was it in there and it was so controversial that they removed it and later on they put it back in? We really don't know the answer to that. There are certainly a lot of theories about it. But the point is, this story is very controversial. Do you know why it's controversial? Because it seems like the law is very clear here. What Moses commanded for someone caught red-handed in adultery. And yet Jesus does not stone the woman. Is it possible that the early church was worried that people would misunderstand the teachings of Jesus and think that he was too easy on sin? Maybe. We're, again, we're not sure why it was so controversial. But the result here is that the Pharisees and the scribes, they asked Jesus what I would call an impossible question. Have you ever heard an impossible question? It's a question that there are no right answers to. For instance, if you ask someone, does your father still beat your mother? If I say yes, then I'm admitting my father beats his wife. If I say no, I'm saying he used to beat his wife. Either way, I lose. It's an impossible question. And that's the kind of question they put to Jesus here. They say, so what do you want to do, Jesus? She was caught red-handed in the very act of adultery. It's very clear that Moses says she should be stoned to death, so what do you want to do? Now, here's why that's an impossible question. If Jesus says, yes, stoner, do you know who he would have been in trouble with? He would have been immediately arrested by the Romans. Because the Romans, who ruled over the Jews at this time, they took away one privilege from the Jews. They said, you can govern yourself except one thing. You no longer have the right to capital punishment. You can no longer execute someone. You have to get our permission. This is why when Jesus is captured, they keep taking him to Roman rulers because they don't have the authority to kill him themselves. They need to get Pontius Pilate or Caiaphas or somebody else who will say, we're signing off on this. And Pilate finally does sign off on it. So Jesus understands here, if he says, yes, stoner, he is in big trouble with Roman authority. On the other hand, if he says, no, don't stoner, he's in trouble with the Jews who say, you're a teacher and you're violating the clear law of Moses. If Jesus answers A, it's wrong. If he answers B, it's wrong. And so here's what the text says. Let me read to you these verses again. Verse 4. Again, they throw this woman in front. She was caught red-handed. Moses says stone her to death. What do you say? Verse 6 says this. Listen here. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. 
So Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground with his finger. I think it's one of the most interesting verses in the whole Bible. What in the world was Jesus writing on the ground? Now, I know many cultures, it's common for people to write, but it was not common back then. In fact, the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 7, they say, how does Jesus know how to write? He didn't have a formal education. So the first thing that's shocking here is that he's writing. And anybody who knew their Bible would go, he is writing the commandments of God just like in the Old Testament, when Moses goes up on the mountain and receives the Ten Commandments from God, do you know what it says? He wrote them with his finger onto tablets of stone. And here Jesus is thousands of years later, writing with his finger in the dirt. We don't know what he was writing. Some scholars think he was writing a Bible passage, like maybe Psalm chapter 103, which says, the Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. That's the most common phrase about God in the Old Testament. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Maybe that's what Jesus was writing. We don't know. <laughs> My favorite theory is the one that says what Jesus was writing because we're told not only does he do it one time, but he tells them whoever does not have sin, pick up and throw the first stone. And then it says he goes back again and scribbles in the dirt. What's he writing? Well, again, the early church had a theory that what Jesus was writing is the names of her accusers and then their secret sins. See, it's easy to throw rocks at people, isn't it, when you can pretend that there's nothing wrong with you? By the way, this is a problem right now in America. I think it's a problem in Haiti, too. People want to protest and riot and throw rocks. This is just part of the thing I learned after I moved here is Haitians throw rocks a lot. I'm like, in America, we're going through the same thing right now. Many cities, people throwing rocks. Can you imagine, though, these people who are throwing rocks and calling people racists or wrongdoers or corrupt politicians? Can you imagine what would happen if somebody was there and started writing their names and all their horrible stuff, all their secret sins? You see, it's possible for you and I to act righteous and throw stones that people caught red-handed in sin when ours remains a secret, but here's the thing, folks. Jesus knows your secrets. He knows. If he has to, he can write it in the dirt. He knows what you're hiding, and so he says the exact right answer. Not A, stoner, not B, don't stoner. He gives them the third answer that they didn't offer, C. Whoever is without sin, you throw the first rock. Can you imagine how awkward the silence was? <laughs> Everybody's like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. So one by one, it says they drop the rocks and walk away. 
because Jesus, I think, probably revealed their secrets. And they went, yeah, I have a problem with pride. I have a problem with greed. I have a problem with envy. I have a problem with lust. All those things that are common to human beings, Jesus knows what's going on. You may be able to hide it from your family and friends, but the truth is God knows your deeds. And one day, Scripture says, he will name those deeds. He won't just write them in the dirt. He will let us know. He will judge each person according to their deeds. And that means we all flunk. None of us can throw rocks at other people when the truth is revealed about our own life. None of us can. Jesus taught this many, many times. Let me read to you another teaching of Jesus from Matthew chapter uh, 7. He says, do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured out to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? Here's the problem with the protesters in America. Here's the problem with the protesters in Haiti and in every other country on the world. They're throwing rocks at people because they got a speck in their eye, but they got a gigantic log in their own eye. It lacks humility. That's what's wrong with it. If you go, well, why, you know, I mean, they have a real issue that they're protesting. I go, okay. But you better be careful because the measure you use to judge others is the same measure, Jesus says, that will be used on you. Ow. No wonder they were angry at Jesus here. They wanted to pretend that they were righteous and they were following the law of Moses. But when Jesus wrote on the sand, whatever he wrote caused them to rethink that. And they went, maybe I'm not so righteous. I don't have the right to throw rocks at this woman. Uh, I'm not without sin, so I cannot cast the first stone. There was only one person in the crowd that day who had the right to pick up a rock and smash that woman. Do you know who it was? It was Jesus, without sin, we're told. Even though he experienced everything that you and I experience, he was without sin, according to the book of Hebrews. He could have picked up a rock and thrown it, but he didn't. Instead, he walks over to the woman and he says, where'd they go? This big, righteous crowd that was about to stone you to death. Where'd they go? And Jesus, there's no one left except you and me. And I think Jesus, with incredible mercy and compassion, looks her in the eyes and says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Not easy on sin. He is gracious and merciful to sinners. Even those of us who have not yet been caught red-handed. But the truth is, folks, everybody will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and their deeds will be known. There will be nothing hidden, nothing secret 
No one will be able to say, well, I was a really, really good person. Those were bad people. They deserved their punishment. Everyone, the Bible says, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have the right to pick up the rock and throw it. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul, in one of his greatest pieces of writings, Romans chapter, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't care if you've been caught red-handed. I don't care if you're a murderer, an adulterer, filled with pride anxiety, lust, whatever it is. If you haven't been caught red-handed yet, you will be caught one day. And Jesus speaks the words to anyone who will believe in him, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. The book of Isaiah puts it this way in chapter 1. Isaiah says, though your sins be red as scarlet, God will make them white like wool. He will clean them. If you've got red hands and you're willing to admit to God, my hands are red with blood, the gospel is this. Jesus took his perfectly clean hands and stretched them out on a cross and allowed them to become bloody so that Jesus is the one red-handed. That's the story of the cross. Jesus is red-handed so that our hands can be cleansed. That's the point of the gospel. And if you get it, you go like, that's unbelievable news. Now, even though we're not able to do it today, once we get back to communion, I want you to think about what Jesus said when he instituted communion in Matthew chapter 26. Listen to what he says to them. It says, first he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. But listen to this, verse 26, Matthew 26. While they were eating, after Jesus took the bread and gave thanks and broke it, he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body. Then he took the cup, he gave thanks and offered it to them saying, listen now, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant poured out for what? The forgiveness of sins. Whether you be a Samaritan woman caught in the very act or you're more like me, secretly filled with sin, just pretending in front of others to be a basically good person. This is the gospel. I have been caught red-handed in my sins. God knows my secrets, and if necessary, he can scribble them in the dirt. But Jesus' bloody hands remove that crimson stain and makes it as though it was white like wool, clean. Do you know this gospel? Or are you still trying to pretend that you're basically a good person and there's some real bad people out there and we need to do something with them, we need to throw some rocks at them, but I'm fine, I'm a pretty good person. You cannot be a Christian if you come to God with your hands uncleansed. 
they're red with blood. And he knows the secrets of your heart. You're in trouble. But if you repent and accept the gift that Jesus offers on the cross, if you accept the blood on his red hands, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all sin. That's what 1 John 1 says. He is faithful and just. He will forgive us and cleanse us from all our sins. If you haven't done that, I'm not talking about do you go to church. Do you know where the best place, if you want to pretend you're righteous, do you know where the best place to be is? Hang out at church. It'll make it look like, oh, they're a really good person. But you and I both know if Jesus were here and he wrote the secrets of your heart down, we'd all be like, oh, we'd be horrified. You'd be horrified if you knew all the secrets in my heart. Every one of us must come to him and say, I surrender my red hands and I accept your red hands in exchange. If you haven't done that, I encourage you to do it. I'm going to pray in just a second. I would encourage you to pray with me. If you've never done that, if you're not sure, if you're still worried, well, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Stop and pray this prayer. Jesus, I come to you with red hands. I've been caught red-handed. And I now accept the blood of your hands in exchange for my red hands. Let's pray. Father, help me. I try to convince people I'm a good person. Heck, I try and convince them I'm a pastor. But you know the truth about my heart. You know my brokenness. You know the details of the sin in my life. I may have fooled others, Father, but before you I have been caught red-handed, and I admit it, and I repent of it. Father, there are some of us here this morning who've never done that. We repent this morning of our sins. We recognize the truth is there's blood on our hands. And now we accept you, Jesus, and the gift of your bloody hands on our behalf for the forgiveness of sins. Come into my life, Lord. Forgive me. Cleanse my hands. Cleanse my heart. Help me to go and make the attempt to sin no more. In light of our red-handedness and in light of the red hands of Jesus, Father, give the rest of us who already have made that decision, give us the strength to show compassion towards sinners to be gracious and merciful, to say to them what you said to this woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Help us with this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message was helpful for you. If you're in Haiti, join us on Sunday mornings where English speakers from all backgrounds, missionaries, diplomats, Haitians, expats, come together to worship, to connect, and to have fellowship with one another. You can find more information about our location, our service times, and our Sunday school program for all ages at our website at kiskeachapel.org. Or shoot us an email at chapelq at gmail.com. That's chapelq at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.